0: Psalm 107. I think it was May 17th or May 24th. Uh, It was a long time ago when we were last here in Psalm 107. I had had intended to do the whole psalm um, that evening, but we paused on verse 32 and uh, we concluded that service with uh, a time of testimony of praise and thanks to God. Do you remember that? Um, We did that because four different times here in Psalm 107, Uh, in the first 32 verses, we were told this, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And then verse 32 said this, Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So I thought, well, we better do that. And we did that together at evening uh, the theme of Psalm 107 is our delivering and transforming God. The first 32 verses that we looked at about a month ago, it gave us four different illustrations of how God delivers us. Tonight, we'll look at verses 33 to 43. They talk about God's transforming work in the lives of those he has delivered. And uh, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing to be delivered from the penalty and the power of sin, isn't it? But it's even even better to be transformed. And that's what God offers us. Let's read verses 33 to 43 together. It says, He turneth rivers into a wilderness, and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness, for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into standing water, and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation and sow the fields and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesses them also so that they're multiplied greatly and suffers not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it, And rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Before we go through this, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to reveal the truth here at the end of Psalm 107. For us, we're so thankful that you're a delivering God, and it's even better that uh, you transform us. And I pray that would happen here as we come to your word, that the Holy Spirit would use it, and help conform us to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ by how we think and and what we value, and by recognizing who you are for us and, and what you do and what you've promised to do. Help us to understand that and respond to your word this evening, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. One aspect of God's character that's been highlighted throughout Psalm 107 is God's sovereignty, his dominion over all. Um, But it's highlighted most prominently in these last 11 verses. And uh, it is in God's sovereignty, it's in God's dominion over everything that his transforming work occurs. Verses 33 to 38 speak of God's dominion over nature verse 33 tells us that our delivering and transforming God, he's got the power to turn rivers into a wilderness and water springs into dry ground. And God's dominion over nature is spoken of again in verse 34. He's got the power to turn a fruitful land into barrenness. Now why would God do that? Well, the end of verse 34 gives us the answer to that question. For the wickedness of them that dwell therein. I want you to try and picture what these two verses are uh, describing here. A, a one, once well-watered, uh, lush, fertile farmland turning into barren wilderness where nothing can grow. We, we see instances of that even today, even in our own country. I don't know if you've heard on the news um, about the worsening drought that California has experienced over the last couple of years, maybe even a decade. Uh, even in areas like Central and Northern California, um, over 530,000 acres of what for decades were lush, fertile uh, farmland, farms that supplied a sizable portion of our, our nation's food supply, they're now classified as barren, like completely unusable. They sit idle and, and no one... <laughs> what the social and political and spiritual value systems are in that state, in California, it's entirely possible that the reason for such a dramatic environmental change is what the end of verse 34 describes. Because sometimes God does that. I got His dominion over nature. And there's times because of the wickedness of the people in the land that he transforms the land in a negative way. Rivers and water springs turning into wilderness and dry ground, fruitful land becoming barren because of the wickedness of them that dwell therein. God has dominion over nature, doesn't he? He does. Do you remember that account way back in the book of Genesis when Abraham and his nephew Lot parted ways? Genesis 13.10 said that Lot looked out and he saw the whole plain of Jordan. He saw all the way to Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. At the end of that verse says, this is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where Lot set his eyes. Man, that's some good farmland. I'm going to go there. And that once well-watered, lush farmland, what is it even today? If you went over to Israel and went to that area, what is it like today? Deserts, a dead sea. Uh, That's what it is. Because of the wickedness of them that dwell therein. God's first command uh, in Genesis that he gave to human beings was to steward his creation. To care for it, you want to be environmentally conscious and prevent climate change to make sure that the people of the land are not full of wickedness. It will not matter how many cans you recycle or how many CO2 emissions that you try to reduce. If the people in the land live in wickedness, God's dominion over nature will turn a land that He has once blessed into barrenness. That's what we're being told here. God's dominion over nature is seen in the opposite happening too. Let's read verses 35 to 38 once more. He turneth the wilderness into standing water, and dry ground into water springs. And there he makes the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation, and sow the fields, and plant the vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesses them also, so that they're multiplied greatly, and suffers not their cattle to decrease. So sometimes God's dominion over nature, sometimes Uh, It looks like this kind of transformation, a a positive one. Once barren wastelands are now farm fields and vineyards, and and there's fruit and blessing and multiplication of people and livestock. We've got a current example of that also uh, in the nation of Israel today. Back before Israel was a nation, before 1940s, when they became a nation, Um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon he ministered in the late 1800s but that Baptist preacher he described Israel this way what was once the glory of all the lands is now almost completely a desert and that's what it was like for for centuries that's what the nation of Israel was like that was a valid description of its environmental state nothing but desert wilderness now some of you have visited Israel is that what it's like today no, I mean, there's sections still that are way down south in the Negev as you get toward Egypt and Saudi Arabia. But, I mean, the vast majority of Israel, God has done this. Um, full of fertile farms, uh, kibbutz, kibbutzim is what they call them, plural. Uh, over 270 of them throughout Israel. This is a tiny nation. I mean, not not even as big as our state. And God has blessed them. And this is a kind of transforming uh, work of God, his dominion over nature in a positive way. Isn't this what God described uh, when, when he promises back in 2 Chronicles 7, 14? I know you know that verse well. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and I'll do what? I'll heal their land. I'll heal their land. That's God's dominion over nature. Verses 39 to 41, we see God's dominion over nations, over people. Verse 39 in the King James Version, it begins with an again. Most other translations say something like when. And here's the thing. Sometimes people, sometimes even God's people, are are diminished. They're diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, sorrow, aren't they? Have you ever experienced any of that, even when you were living for the Lord? And again, this can be the result of God's discipline over wickedness, or it just might be a situation that God has allowed, maybe even sent in our lives to drive us more deeply to him. And the cause isn't so much a focus here. It's just the reality that this happens. But it doesn't ever happen haphazardly. It isn't a matter of fate or bad luck for us. God has dominion over nations, over people's lives. Uh, When oppression, affliction, or sorrow is our lot from the Lord we can be sure that he will do what he says he does in verses 40 and 41. He will transform people's lives. Those who are oppressors and um, sources of injustice, well, he will pour contempt on them and cause them to wander in wilderness where there is no way. So it says in verse 40. And what does he do? What does God do to those who are unjustly oppressed? Verse 41 says that our God who has dominion over nations, he sets the poor, I'm not talking about financially poor, um, he sets the needy, the helpless, those who have no other hope but him, who put their faith solely in him, he sets them on high from affliction, protecting them from it, delivering them through it. And he makes uh, them to have families like a flock. What an incredible picture, uh, uh, a description of God's design in the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, I know y'all have family, but y'all have family here, right? Look at this. Look around here. You've got this family here. And God's people back then, God's people today, we have our ups and downs, don't we? Just like is described in these two verses. As men change, so do their circumstances. Uh, Just like the power of God, just like the transforming work of God that's evidenced by his dominion over nature, we also see it here in his dominion over Nations. Uh, I think we can all agree that many times lately it seems like our world is falling apart. You might watch the news and you're like, what is going on? I was just talking to Miss Brenda about that and something crazy that's been going on even here in Fayetteville or something that's planned. Um, I don't disagree, but I think faith would see it differently, that, that things are not falling apart, they're falling into place just as God said they would. He's predicted all of this. This is what would happen prior to his return. Um, What makes faith and seeing things this way um, not always easy is that many times God's dominion over nature and nations, God's transforming work, many times it takes time, doesn't it? It's not always as fast as we want it to occur. I want you to think about God's transforming work in your own life, Christian. Has it not taken time? I hope it has. I hope that you look back and you are a different person today than you were last year, a decade ago, when, when you were young. I hope that's the case. Um, we have a God who describes himself in Isaiah 55 as having ways and thoughts that are higher than ours. We have a God who's worthy of our faith and trust in his ways and his thoughts, even when we don't understand it. We have a God who created time, and he operates inside of that creation, and um, he acts within it, but he also exists outside of it. And so let us never be so faithless that we demand God do his transforming work on our time schedule. Let us never be so untrusting of God that we assume his dominion over nature or over nations is limited because we think we know better than him about what needs to be done or when it needs to be done. Has he ever failed? Not once. Never failed. Has God ever not done what he said he's going to do? Never once. We would do well to hear and apply to to any instance of faithlessness in our own lives what the angel told Mary when he said, you're going to give birth to Jesus. He told her, for no word of God shall ever fail. And that's God's design in his dominion. The last two verses here, verses 42 and 43, when we see God's transforming work in nature, and there's evidence all around us of that in a positive and negative sense. But when we see God's transforming work over nations. Our faith should be fueled that he will always do what he says he's going to do. We can rely on him to keep his promises. Now, our situation, whatever it might be, it is not going to be the first time that God fails or is frustrated. I promise you that. It's not going, your your situation is not going to be there. Our God is a delivering God and he's a transforming God. And faith trusts him to do both, (laughs) but to do it in his time. Verse 42 says that the righteous shall see it and rejoice. Now, the verb tense here is difficult in the Hebrew. Um, The King James and some other translations put it in the future tense. The righteous shall see it and rejoice. And we will, won't we? I mean, when God comes through on his promises, I know that's happened in your life, you were worried about something, your faith was being tested, and then God came through. Uh, When his transforming work is evident in our lives, the righteous see it and rejoice. And we definitely will on that coming day when Jesus returns and he sets up his eternal kingdom, and it's an uncontested kingdom, we will see it and we will all rejoice. And as the end of verse 42 says, all iniquity will stop its mouth. There'll be no more sin. Won't that be wonderful? Can't wait for that to occur. Uh, But some some translations put the verb tense here in verse 42 in the present tense. And either way is correct. Both are true. We could read verse 42 this way. The righteous see it, not shall see it, but the righteous see it right now and rejoice. I encourage you, Jesus follower, don't don't wait Until Christ's return to rejoice over God's dominion over nature and nations. Um, God's purpose in his dominion, his design in his dominion is for your joy right now, tonight. Uh, our king is the king of kings, amen? Our Lord is the Lord of lords. And that ought to make us rejoice right now. In the eyes of faith, they see his transforming work right now. I've said this before. Faith sees a promised act of God like it is as good as done. Look at verse 43. It says, wise people get this. They get this. Spiritually wise people, and there's not a better kind of wisdom. Wise people observe this reality. That's what verse 43 is telling us. That our delivering God, our transforming God, He has dominion over nature and nations. People who see this world and everything going on in it with the eyes of faith, it is they who understand the loving kindness of the Lord. It's they who understand the covenant love of God to us in Jesus Christ. That's God's design and his dominion. He he wants you to know him. He, He wants you to trust him. He wants you to know who he is, to remember what he's done, so that in faith you never fail to trust what he's promised to do. So that your faith delivers joy to you, like verse 42 talked about, and delivers glory to him. Do you have this wisdom? Do you have eyes of faith that give you an understanding of the loving kindness of the Lord? If not, won't you ask him for that wisdom tonight? I mean, that is why he's written everything here in Psalm 107. We didn't go over the first 32 verses, but it might not hurt for us to all read them sometime this evening. Uh, that is why God has written everything here in the book of Psalms, because he wants us to know him, who God is, and what God has done, so that in faith, we can believe what he's promised to do. He wants us to have this wisdom. He wants us to live in this wisdom. God tells us in James 1, 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men, liberally, he just gives it out and without reproach. God wants you to have it. I like that without reproach. He's never going to scold you. He's never going to mock you for not having wisdom as long as you ask for it, because he's going to give it to you. But you're to ask in faith, nothing wavering, right? And then what we're told there? James 1, five. So will you do that tonight? Will you tell God right now, even while I'm still talking, Psalm 107. Say, God, Psalm 107 has reminded me you're worthy of my faith that uh, I want to trust you, so help me to observe your dominion uh, over everything, over nature, over nations. Help me to observe that you're active right now in your delivering and transforming work, even if I can't always see it. Strengthen my faith, Lord. Help me to trust you, because I want the joy that verse 42 talks about. I want the joy that faith brings, and I want my faith to bring glory to you. Tell them that. Pray that this evening. Tommy praise team will you come up and lead us to to pray that and as we close in praise together this evening